Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast. It's episode 12, sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. You can get 10% off your online order. You just use the coupon code SPORTS and go to lopsbrewing.com. You can also follow them at Lops Brewing on social media for new beers and events. They're open seven days a week. And so are we. It's Maddie and Smitty. <laughs> and uh, we have quite a week coming up here as the Bruins started off very well and then tonight let us all down. Uh, we are also at a new home on the Inside the Rink podcast network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. You can follow them on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. Um, and they have some great articles and also our podcast and many others. Yes, they do. And uh, we also have a, another sponsor. And here is a quick word from them. Uh, they are a new show sponsor and they are friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. And let me tell you what, if you had put any money on the Carolina Hurricanes tonight, you would have won a boatload. <laughs> so you should sign up for betus.com. That's B-E-T-U-S.com with the promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your big sign-up bonus, 125%. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet. You win. You get paid. Betus.com. And what you could also bet on are the NFL playoffs, which are coming up Saturday and Sunday as well. Uh, some good games there, so go ahead and go to BetUS, use a coupon, use the uh, sign-up bonus, and uh, bet away. Bet and drink responsibly. Yeah, you should definitely drink because those uh, super wild card weekend oh, playoff man. games were absolutely terrible. All, all of the games were non-competitive. Yeah, blowout after blowout. Blowout city. Hopefully this week a little bit better. Yeah, hope so. Uh, All right, weekend review for the Bruins. And it started back on January 13th for us Philadelphia at home. Three to two win. It was a good start to the game. At one point, the Bruins were out shooting Philadelphia 20 to seven. Pasternak had two goals, and the Bruins were in control at two to nothing. And then the second period was a clinic and sleepwalking. (laughs) A lot of zone time for the Flyers, and they tie it, which is frustrating because they really had no business at that point being in the game. Tuka Rask made a couple of big stops on breakaways and didn't really look that rusty at all. He was very solid with positioning and angles, as he usually is. Then the Bruins get a 5-1-3. Philly very undisciplined, and Pasternak able to get the hat-trick goal. Bruins hang on and win their seventh in their last eight games. And the Bruins are surviving a revolving door on defense at the same time and get uh, and get a win over the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, speaking of revolving door, so before the game, uh, Matt Grizzlick goes into COVID protocol. Jack Ashan is in. Uh, more leaves with injury. Tyler Lewington, and I had to ask you before the game who that was. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, they started hot. Pasta with two goals in the first six, seven minutes. Uh, they were sleepy, like you said, in the second, but score on the five-on-three to complete the hat trick for Pasta. Um, first time with back-to-back hat tricks in back-to-back back-to-back games 
for uh, Marchand and Pasta uh, against Montreal and Philly since 1998 with Sergei Samsonov and Stevie Hines. Oh, Stevie Hines had a hat trick. Wow. He did. <laughs> he did. Probably the <laughs> only one. Uh, anyways, the third wasn't great. The Flyers pushed. Uh, Tuca was excellent in his return, made a couple of breakaway saves, uh, was calm, made all the saves when the, when the Flyers pulled the goalie with over uh, three minutes to go. And they held on for the win on the second night of a back-to-back, which may have been the reason that they were a little uh, little sleepy looking there. Right, sure. And then January 15th, two days later, versus Nashville. Now, this was a real physical game with a playoff type of field. Bruins win it 4-3 in overtime and an excellent game. So a similar start to the Philly game. Bruins get two goals. Patrice Bergeron with a great touch pass to Craig Smith, who snipes one home. And then Mike Riley with a great finish to score. But again, a little bit of a sleepy second. And now the Predators come back and tie it. They're a better team than the Flyers, for sure. Uh, and they get they tie the game at two. Brad Marchand puts the Bruins ahead in the third. Only to have Pasternak turn it over. And it's three to three. Pucks in the net. Eurovac and Island has been really good. And he breaks up the two-on-one in overtime. Sends it up the ice, and Hall drives for the net off the rebound. It's a great win. Great game for a Saturday matinee, too, with, like I said, physicality and playoff feel. Yeah, it was definitely a hard-fought win. They're called Smashville for a reason. I mean, that's a big physical team. I thought the Bruins, for the most part, matched them physically, with the exception of some rough spots in the second period where Nashville was really pushing hard. Uh, Pretty good back-and-forth battle against, you know, a hot Preds team. They were... They were coming in playing, you know, equally as well as the Bruins were. Uh, the Bruins jump out to the 2 nothing lead on goals by Smith and Riley. What a great, great play uh, by Halla and a great finish by Riley on that, showing showing patience mm-hmm. as he as he cut from left to right across mm-hmm. and, and, and roofed the backhander. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Preds push back in the second to tie it. Um, trade goals in the third and, and then Marshy on the power, you know, Marshy on the power play and uh, Yossi tied it for the Preds. Uh, and then, like you said, an OT, and breaks up the rush, Pasta gets a shot, and, and Hall, you know, driving hard to the net, buries a rebound. It was a real, real good win for them. You know, they win eight of their last nine and five in a row going into, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> into the Canes tonight. game. <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes come in tonight. Um, Willie O'Ree night. Willie O'Ree's number 22, goes to the rafters in a nice ceremony uh, for Willie. Uh, evidently the, the Bruins really didn't, uh, respond <laughs> and that's saying something, uh, they didn't respond at all. A seven to one loss tonight on Willie O'Ree night. Uh, and you know, this was just one of those stinkers that I guess you could, you wouldn't blame them for having As we said, eight out of nine, they had one, they're on a hot streak. Caroline is very good. They come in after that physical game on Saturday and Carolina just takes it to them. Five goals in the first. Tukaras gets pulled, and from there was really one of the one of the low points of the season, really, as far as the, you know the effort level and just the overall performance. It was probably one of their worst games of the season. Yeah, I, it was one of their worst games of the season, no doubt. I mean, and and I, I guess you're you know, I guess you're entitled to a bad game, you know, especially when you've won eight out of nine. And you've been playing pretty well, um, but not that bad. Like there's right. there's bad games, and then there's that game. Like that game was one of the worst games I've watched them play in a long time. Um, I, I they talked about it a little bit on the broadcast towards the end, saying that the worst loss at home since I believe it was last April against Washington. They lost eight one, 
Um, and then the silver lining, I suppose, is after that they won six in a row and like 10 of 12 or something like that. So, or, right. or six and they were six and two in the next eight or something like that. So, uh, bad loss and then they bounced back and rebounded. So hopefully uh, they'll rebound in the next game because this certainly, certainly looked like after the first period, they just gave up. Like there really wasn't any kind of push, even though they had a five on three and another power play chance in the second where they probably could have climbed back in if they score a couple, you know, then it's five, three, you know, they have the momentum, but uh, just a listless, no fight, nothing like just a terrible, terrible effort, an absolute dumpster fire from beginning to end. Yeah. And, and you kept waiting for them, like you said, to get a goal or two and make it a game. You know, you kept waiting for them to wake up and, and come back because they had been so hot and you kept waiting for it and it just didn't happen. And then Carolina stretches the lead out even further and it's over at seven to one. Um, you know, and Tuca was pulled after five goals, which was, it was pretty shocking, but I don't think it was, you know, much of Rath's fault. I mean, they were loose with the puck. They didn't win battles. It was, you know, they just weren't great in their zone, turning it over. It just wasn't they, in front of him. They were just terrible. They and were. I don't think it's Tuka's fault. And of course, Tuka Rask, you know, the, those, those people who have been after Rask from the get-go are going to jump on him, you know, again, but it really wasn't his fault. I didn't think. No, I didn't think so at all. I, I thought, um, you know, somebody had actually tweeted at us saying, you know, I said Rask was pulled and that it really wasn't his fault. And somebody said, well, some of it's his fault. I'm like, not really. The defense did not show up in front of him. Like no. just didn't like they, no. they didn't win any puck battles. They couldn't clear their zone. They were turning the puck all, all, all over, all over the ice at their own blue line, turn it over just inside their blue line, turn it over. I mean, it was a turnover show and you know, they were all culprits. Then they take, mm-hmm. you know, stupid penalties and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, right. it, re- he, it it wasn't his fault. It really wasn't. I mean, the right. some of the goals were tips. I mean, there were, yeah. you know, chances, like point-blank chances right in front. Like, every single shot they had early in the game was a high-danger chance. Yeah, Berger, Bergeron scores, and they give it right give it right away yeah. again. Yeah. So, even Immediately. the one bright spot they had was the goal, and then they, and then they turn around and give another goal. Right. So you know, it, that made it three to one and then it was over. Like it, at least at two to one, you say, okay, and we're, we're getting our feet under us. And then they give a goal up immediately, which they've done quite a bit when they were going bad. <laughs> and uh, again, tonight they went bad again. But as you said, I mean, they have three home games coming up here, you know, pretty soon. You know, they have Caps and Jets and, and Ducks all at home. They have that long stretch at home now because of that Canadians game was changed. So, you know, three more games at home. You know, hopefully they can they can right to ship and get you know five or six points uh, out of these here before they head to uh, Colorado. All right, time now for seven chirps. This is when we ask a seven burning questions. And number one is: Did the NHL leave Brad Marchand off of the All Star team because he criticized the league about the Olympics, or is the NHL incompetent, or <laughs> is it because the format just sucks? As Nathan McKinnon said it's an all-star game, not a participation game. Nathan McKinnon is correct. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the league isn't competent. I mean, they are. It is. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think Marshawn, you know, questioning the league about the the Olympics had really anything to do with it. Um, He was pissed about that and, and spoke out. So, I mean, 
you know, maybe they hold a grudge a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, but I, I don't think really that was the real reason. I think the format's just fucking terrible. Like you, like you have Blake Batherton or some fucking asshole from the Senators making the all-star team and, and Marshan doesn't make it. Like, aren't you supposed to be marketing? Like the game is not a competitive game. You're supposed to be marketing your stars. Who's a bigger star, Brad Marchand or Blake Worthington or whatever the fuck his name is? I mean, I don't even know what his name is. Who is it? It's yeah. it's some guy on the Senators. He's having a decent yeah. year, but yeah. you know, have you heard of him before? You no, like you don't no, know what his name yeah. is either, right? I think he might have a couple of cousins who haven't heard of him too. I mean, just I mean, yeah, I've never heard of the guy. I mean, that's what my yeah, I mean, that's what you. that's what my point is is that. Yeah. I don't know what the guy's name is and we're my, right. like, we're supposed to be marketing the stars. So, right. you know, market Brad Marchand, mark, market Steven Stamkos. He didn't make the game. He had to get voted in market. Nazem Kadri, who's fourth in the league in scoring, didn't make the fucking team. He had to be voted in. Like, what are we doing? What are yeah, we doing? It, it, here's the thing. As a league, you look like a complete asshole because you have guys who aren't guys who are legitimately, I mean, Brad Marchand, is one of the top five players in the league and he's not there. And not only that, he's one of the most polarizing players you have in the league and he's not there. So if you're trying to market your best players, Blake Batherton, all due respect, he's had a nice year, but no one cares about Blake Batherton, Batherton including his probably, you know, some of his closest friends. So I, why, why is he on, why is he in the all-star game? And you're right. Every, they should take every, you know, the top, 25 players in the league and put them on the game because it's just a, it's just a pond hockey game where guys are going to, you know, make individual moves and oohs and ahs. And, but that's what you want. I mean, the NBA, every single guy in there is the best player. Like, you know, the, the NHL should be the same thing. Like all your best players should be there and they should be doing fancy little dangles and, yes. and having a good old time so that you can watch them. And I just think it's, I just think it's asinine. Yeah. So just, just so we're clear, his name is Drake Batherson. Just, Drake Batherson. Just, just, okay. just so, so just so we Batherson. throw, just, yeah, just so yeah. we throw it out there and we're not just complete assholes. His name is Drake yeah, Batherson. Drake is that cousin that doesn't know him. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's just, I, look, again, the NHL has this way of getting tied up in their own underwear. It's just incredible to me that you, First of all, they're terrible at marketing their own players anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are more than casual fans out there who probably don't even know who Leon Dreisaitl is. Like, they're just, they're, they're big stars are not big enough names around the sports world. Um, and they've had this problem forever. And they still, they still do it. And I just, I just don't understand. You know, they want to play a team in Atlanta, but they can't put Brad Marchand on the all-star team. It's just, it's just, they, they, they have their priorities all distorted. Sometimes. Well, all the other leagues, all of the other leagues, when they market a game, so say a game's going to be on ESPN or whatever, it's Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. It's Larry right. Bird and the Boston Celtics. It's LeBron James and the LA Lakers. It's Kobe Bryant right. and the LA Lakers. It's Tim Duncan and right. the San Antonio Spurs. It's Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady and the New England right. Patriots. You know, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, you know, all of the other sports do that. And then when it comes to the Bruins or, you know, the NHL, 
it's the Boston Bruins against the New York Rangers in an original six matchup. Like, right. say it's Adam Fox against Charlie McAvoy. Say right. it's, it's Artemi Panarin against Brad Marchand. Like, make the storylines work. Two of the best young Ds in the game. Two of the best left wings in the game. It's not that fucking difficult. <laughs> it's not. It no. isn't. No. And uh, whoever's in charge of that whole thing is missing a an extraordinary opportunity to market the players. Like you said, it should be, if it's rivalry night, then it should be, you know, Gary a rivalry. To the rest. <laughs> you know, it should be a rivalry. They shouldn't yeah, schedule, should you know, avalanche and penguins. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Maybe right. two teams that don't like each other. And even then it should be, it should be, you know, Nathan McKinnon against Sidney Crosby. You know, it should right. be it should be the top players against each other. And, and you're right. And they just they just have their head in the sand. Uh, question number two is Brad Marchand a legitimate Hart Trophy candidate? He should be. And I, I've he said this since be. the beginning. I've said it since the beginning of the show. I said that was my bold prediction that he was going to be a, a Hart finalist. And he should be. I mean, there's other people having phenomenal years. So he won't be. Plus, the league doesn't like him. Um, the players around the league don't like him because they still think he's a rat, even though he hasn't really done that in a long time. You know, he got suspended for basically nothing. So he should be. He should be. He should be. Um, I mean, part of it's his own fault, but, you know, from the past or whatever, and I get I get that. But like you said, hasn't done it in a long time. And quite frankly, when he stopped doing it, he became an elite player. Correct. Like it's When he stopped focusing on that stuff, and he started focusing on being the player that he should be. He's been one of the best players in the league, like the, maybe the best left wing in the league. You know, he's been like just tremendous. And he, this team goes how he goes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so it's all, he checks all the boxes. Yeah. He's the most our, complete left wing yeah. in the league. I mean, Ovechkin, obviously, yeah, you know, right. with the goals and that. But, but if you want to talk about all three zones, it's him. Right. It's he him. Kind of, he kills penalties and he doesn't, you know, I mean, Ovechkin stands over and takes one timers yep. and then runs and charges people from center ice. Mm -hmm. But, but, but Marshan penalty kills and he's, and he's on the forecheck and he's, he's stealing pucks and he's, he does everything. He does, he does it all. And uh, he's not, he's not showing any sign of letting down, even at 33 years old. So he's, he's tremendous. And I think he should be a candidate. Number three, do the Bruins really have something in Euro back in Ivan? Played second most minutes against the Flyers and led the team with five on five ice time. Uh, he's been paired with Charlie McAvoy. Tonight he was paired with uh, paired with Carlo. This Grizzler came back. Grizzler came yes, back and Riley nice Riley went into uh, COVID protocols too. Yeah, COVID protocol. Yeah, but uh, uh, he's been he's been he's been pretty good. Yeah, he has been good. Uh, he didn't have his best game tonight, but. Nobody no. had their best game tonight, so you can't Gosh. you can't really uh, fault them for that. They just seemed out of sync. Like there was a few times, there was one pass that he made, uh, and they ended up scoring a goal on it. But he made like a a pretty good move to like avoid a stick check, and then he gave a backhand pass to Clifton, who just stopped skating. So then mm. the pass didn't connect. The Canes got it, walked Clifton like he was a fucking pylon, and scored. So. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have his best game, but he's been better, you know, obviously than, than what he's looked in years past. He looks a little more comfortable, a little more confident. 
He's moving the puck pretty well, which they could certainly use because some of those guys back there really, really struggle with that. Forbert, Carlo, Clifton. Um, So Riley at times. So if they can get another guy back there that can distribute the puck and and make good plays and smart plays and and play well in his own end, and and he's being a little mobile, chipping in a little bit offensively, uh, he had an assist in one of the games, so he's he's doing some things. He, his goal got taken away, I guess, because it hit Lazar on the shoulder or something or uh, armpit. Um, but he's um, he's been playing pretty well. So you know, maybe yeah. you do have something there. Maybe he's a trade piece. Maybe you can package maybe. him now that he's playing a little bit better. Yeah, and maybe these defensemen that they've been putting in there, maybe they've showcased a little bit. Who knows? But back in Einan, uh would be someone that. Boy, it would be really great if he was at least a steady, even second pair guy. If he was a steady guy like that, boy, that would really save them quite a bit. Um, so we'll see what happens with him as he gets extended time. Number four, Carson Coleman was placed on waivers. Uh, the Bruins fans mourn the loss of Coleman. With the emergence of young players like Oscar, Oscar Steen in Eurovacanina, who is next to go, do you think? Tread Frederick? Connor Clifton? Is there someone else maybe on the waiver wire soon? I don't think I don't think the defense um I don't think they'll look to send any of those guys on waivers just because defensive depth is so important. Clifton yeah. is not a good player, but he's not he's not terrible. I make him out to be terrible. He's not terrible. He's just I would like an upgrade there. Right. So I don't think he's as they could do better than that as in my opinion. So, but as a depth piece, as a seven, eight guy, he's fine making a million bucks. Right. As a, as a, as a sixth defenseman, seventh defenseman, eighth defenseman, he's fine. He's great. But you know, I want an upgrade there. I want them to be better than that. You know, if you look at what the Canes have on their back end, like they're pretty fucking stacked back there, even without, even with the loss of Dougie Hamilton. So, um, you know, I, I don't see them sending a defenseman down, but Frederick, I mean, he hasn't given you a whole lot. I don't, I right. think just because he was a first round pick and the size and so forth, I think they, they would hang on to him. Uh, and he probably can still be sent down. I believe maybe not, but um, he's still young enough that that's, I don't know if that's a possibility or not, but yeah, I feel like you're not going to see any of those guys really, go they're gonna they'll keep an extra forward an extra d and and you know we'll see what happens when they finally decide to make a goddamn trade <laughs> right, right. we're looking forward to seeing that i don't know what type of trade that's going to be hey, you know what it, this might this 7-1 loss to carolina might be a blessing in disguise because maybe maybe they it still puts into their mind that they need some up you know some really solid upgrades because i was i was fearful that they'd win you know 13 out of 14 and then not make us not make a good move and say, Hey, we're, you know, we're fine now. We're good. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully these games every once in a while will remind them of what they need uh, to improve the team. Number five, Willie O'Ree night was tonight. Who is the next Bruin to have his number retired? I think it's Zidane Chara, Honestly, I think it's going to be big Z. I think unless, <laughs> unless he just keeps playing. He was out there right. for the Islanders tonight, got in a fight, beat the bag right. out of uh, uh, McEwen, McEwen yeah, from Philadelphia. From Philadelphia. Oh. And then he, he beat the bag out of him so much that he checked him to see if he was okay. Yeah, because he caught him with yeah. an uppercut that dropped him to his oh. knees. 
So, uh, yeah, I think I think Chara will be the next one to have his number go up. He and it absolutely should be up there. Nobody should wear thirty three again. Uh, he and Savard came in and basically changed the culture of a terrible team uh, at the time, uh, and he was a big part of that. Obviously, captain of a cup winning team here. Um, he deserves all the accolades that he gets. Norris Trophy winner. Uh, he should one hundred percent be up there. I agree. And I, you know, I put a poll up and I forgot about Tara. <laughs> so I put Tuka Rask and David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron and then other, and then and we'll go through the results in a bit, but I put it up on Twitter and also put it up on a Facebook group, Boston Bruins Facebook group, which has over 18,000 followers and got a huge response. And a lot of the writing comments was Zdeno Chara and they're right. I mean, Zdeno would probably retire first and have the opportunity to have his night in a couple of years after that or whatever. Yeah, uh, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, which meets my criteria. Sure, I think you should only have Hall of Fame players up in your retired numbers, unless they're a special case, like a Willie O'Ree or like a Johnny Pesky at Fenway, or like know, a someone who's like a lifelong, a lifelong, a lifelong Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah, yeah lifelong. a lifelong player for your for your right. organization. Sure, right, and I think that that's, but for the most part, it should be Hall of Famers. And Zidane uh, Chara should be up there. And, of course, Bergeron will be as well. And it'll be interesting to see if they put someone like a David Krejci who's in the top 10 all time. He should you know, be. a lot of categories. He should be. You know, he should be up there. Uh, so we'll see. And then Tukaras, uh, the Tukaras-Tim Thomas argument, it comes up too. You know, who, if one of those should get in there as well. Uh, but I think it'll be Chara for sure. Number six, the NHL announced that COVID testing will not happen after the all-star break. So unless teams are crossing borders or a player has symptoms, it's just a good move. You think? I think it is. If they want the season to finish. <laughs> uh, yeah. If they want yeah. the season and the playoffs to finish with teams that, you know, mostly full strength, you have, you have to do something like this. I mean, I the so. Bruins are 100% vaccinated and they still had a huge COVID situation. Right. Uh, a lot of the players that, that contracted it were asymptomatic. Which is you the know. whole point of the vaccination thing. Right. So, right. I mean, if you, wanna, if you want the games to, you know, continue right. and you want the, the playoffs to happen and, and crowning a champion, I think you need to do something like this. Um, you know, and hopefully the rest of the teams, all their players are fully vaccinated. I don't know what their vaccination status is on – on, on most of the other teams around the league, but hopefully it's similar to the Bruins situation. And, you know, they, they, if they contract it, they're asymptomatic and they can, you know, all, all get going and, and play these games and, and we'll determine a winner. Yeah. And I think that that's, uh, I think you're right. And I think in all sports, I think they should go to this, uh, should not be testing asymptomatic people and just randomly testing everybody weekly or what have you, because it just runs you into these, you know, difficult situations. And if, if many of the players aren't even getting sick at all or very little sick or certainly no one dying, then, you know, I think we should be just, you know, if you're, if you, if you're, if you have symptoms, then you're sick and stay home. <laughs> and if you don't, then we shouldn't be tested right now. And so that we can just get these games through. And of course, next year, again, of course, every sort of flu season and, in, in winter season and things. You could do this every year for the rest of our lives if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, getting the vaccinations are important. And if, you know, Bruce Cassidy said even most of them have the boosters, not all do, but the Bruins have actually done a pretty good job of staying ahead of it uh, as far as vaccinations go and things of that nature. 
um, and have taken it seriously. And they still, like you said, had a COVID, you know, outbreak, you know, in quotation fingers. Um, and, you know, had a couple of guys who were sick, but most of them asymptomatic and it definitely has had them scrambling, uh, on the roster. And then number seven, not a Bruins question, but it was Chris Pronger's night recently in St. Louis. Where does he rank among the best defensemen of all time? Okay, so the reason that this question is in is because I was going through Twitter and Chris Pronger had his number retired in St. Louis. Deservedly so. Uh, Great, great player. Uh, Arguably the best defenseman in St. Louis Blues history. But the the St. Louis Blues tweeted out that he was arguably the best defenseman in NHL history. Wow. What? Wow. What? Wow. What? There are, there are two guys from the Bruins, th- maybe three, who are better than Chris Barnard. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You can't tweet out arguably the best defenseman in NHL history. You can, you just can't. You, can't you could it. say best it's defenseman laughable. in team history. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's laughable. Right. There's, there's a gentleman by the name of Bobby Orr who... Right. <laughs> Is better. Larry Robinson's right. better. Nick Lidstrom's right. better. Ray Bork's better. Fifteen hundred points. Yeah. Jesus. I just Christ. named. I just named five guys in five seconds who are better than five Chris seconds. Pronger. Okay. So you he's know, not I, I arguably the best defenseman in NHL history no, at all. No argument at all. <laughs> no. No, you can't argue it at all. But I did. So I looked through like a few of the articles in the past that have had like top 20, top 25 defensemen. And to me, it came down to who you think was better when it comes to like 10-ish. Is it Chris Chelios? Would you rather have Chris Chelios or Chris Barner? Chelios. That's really what it came down to. And I'd rather have Chelios, but 24, league, 24 years in the league. Chelios. You know, 100 Chelios. times out of 100, yeah. I would pick yeah, Chelios. That's where, to me, that's where the line was. It wasn't Larry Robinson and Bobby Orr and <laughs> Ray Bork and all these other guys, or even Paul Coffey. It was down at like the Chris Chelios, Scott Stevens level. And I'd take Chelios and Stevens. I, yeah, I was just going to say, I'd rather have Stevens yeah. than Pronger too. Right. Pronger is in like the 12 to 15 range, I think. Yeah. You know, that, that might be even be generous, but they're right around there. Yeah, if I, I mean, he played over a thousand games. You know, he's, he, he only scored like 180 goals. So he wasn't really an offensive defenseman, but he no. was tough and he was. Yeah, he was tough. But Scott Stevens was teams. tougher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's not. Uh, Dennis Podvan? You know, there's another guy. What's that? <laughs> Dennis Podvan. There's another guy. Better. There's another guy, Dennis Podvan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, 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 I mean, it was going back to Doug Harvey and the yeah, guys that Doug were Harvey better, be, better, you know, it just, you know, so yeah, 15 ish, you know, <laughs> probably in there, which is not close to one. No, in any, uh, no. You know, if, if, you know, even, even, even in the Canadian thing, you know, not even one in Canadian. Um, so Chris Pronger, not the best defensive of all time, but you know, God bless. He, you know, he's had his number retired and had a great career. All right. It is time now for the whipping boy segment. All right, my whipping boy is Trent Frederick, and he missed all of the games due to injury. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, he has not really performed all that much since uh, the dirty hit on, or the you know sort of dirty hit on, on Kaprizov. 
So he is not back. He has not began skating again. Uh, so we don't expect him back for at least another couple of games, I would assume. Yeah, my whipping boy is Connor Clifton. He missed the Philadelphia Nashville games due to COVID. And uh, tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes was his first game back. And he was awful. Uh, he took a dumb <laughs> took a dumb penalty among many other stupid plays. Got walked around like he was a pylon. Uh, mm-hmm. For them to score a goal, he was at least minus two, possibly minus three. I stopped paying attention after a while. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah not a great... Not a great game in his first game back, but like we said about Vakanine, and there wasn't one single guy out there who had a good game. Not one. No, no, there wasn't. And you know what? And I know that Riley was out with COVID protocol, but why do we have to rush Connor Clifton back? Like he just gets off protocol, and and I know that Riley's out, and Grizzly comes back at the same time. Why not just have Lewington in there another day? You know what? Why do we have to rush him back? Like it's like he is Paul Coffey or Chris Pronger. Like, why do we have to put him right back in the lineup? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand what the whole rush is. Like he comes off COVID protocol, give him another day or two of practice and keep Lewington in there. And then, then you can insert Clifton in there when he's ready to go. But they're rushing back in. Like he's freaking Charlie McAvoy. Like, yeah. And he comes in and he stinks up the joints. Yeah. He like, stunk. And, and Forbert coming off COVID protocol too. Uh, he's been yeah. back two games since he's, come off and he was minus in both games. Like he hasn't been good yeah. either. He hasn't so, been good either. so yeah. there really shouldn't be any rush to get these guys no. back in, in the lineup. They were playing well. So uh, I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess maybe forward because Nashville's big and, and hits. So it, you know, it's good to have a, right. a, a big body back there, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, I, like I said all along, I, I don't know what the infatuation is with Cliffy hockey. He's a sixth, seventh, eighth defenseman uh, on a, on a good team and, and he shouldn't be playing. There should be some kind of move to upgrade the defense. And uh, hopefully there is. There should be. I mean, I, I mean, I'd rather, I know he's younger. I really have like watched Jack Ashan do that type of stuff from the third pair. Like I, I'd rather watch somebody else like Cliffy. Yeah. Like you said, sometimes it'd be okay. And other times he's just all over the ice and he's erratic and he's out of position. And today he doesn't, you stop skating and then he turns around, goes in the net because he gets danced around. It's just like, he's out of position. It's just, I mean, enough. I mean, he should be in small doses, which is what a seventh or eighth defenseman is small doses guy. Um, but all right. So now it's time for beauties and benders. This is where we pick our top three beauties of the week and our, low three <laughs> bottom three <laughs> benders of the week and my three beauties number three david parsonak had the hat trick uh, earlier in the week as the week went on he wasn't as great he was higher up on my list and i kept knocking him down because he does turn the puck over in his own end quite a bit too much for my liking uh wasn't great tonight but uh, he did have the hat trick and was uh flourishing since the turn of the year there first of the year going on and, and Bruce Cassidy called it. He thought Pasternak would start to turn it on now. And he did right at that time. So he had the hat trick. So I went with Pasternak three, number two, Brad Marchand. Uh, he's been excellent since coming back tonight. He wasn't so great, but no, nobody was, but uh, he had a good week as well. And then Patrice Bergeron had the nice touch pass to Craig Smith against Nashville. And then he had the only goals tonight and he was actually an even player. Uh, maybe not till the end, but, Midway through the third, he was even when guys like Oscar Steen with minus three and tons of minus twos and Bergeron was even. So uh, I had Bergeron number one. 
There you go. Uh, so my three beauties this week, I had Marshan three, like you said, had a great, great week. He's been the most consistent, best player all year long. Uh, he was first out of the week last week and his solid play continued this week. Number two, I had Charlie McAvoy. He had four assists this week. Usual good play, just eating up minutes. I had an assist tonight. And then I gave number one to Taylor Hall. We've been bashing him a little bit. He had a game-winning goal against Nashville, a real greasy goal, getting right to the doorstep and, and burying the rebound. He had a goal and two assists this week. So him with Pasternak's been uh, paying some dividends there, and, and uh, he had a good week, I thought. Yeah, and, Hall, and uh, Eric Hall has been good with them as a center. Uh, again, I'd like to see them get a second-line center, as many fans would. Uh, but I think Eric Holler has done an admirable job filling in there. Of course, he's playing with two very talented people. Just put it on their stick and, uh, you know, hope that they score. And he's doing, been, been doing a pretty good job with that. All right, now time now for our three benders. And number three is Brandon Carlo. Face it, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. Brandon uh, was a minus player. Uh, I believe it was Nashville and then a minus player against tonight. And Brandon just, uh, you know, I, I saw Bruce Cassidy kind of get on him a little bit. And Brandon's just one of those guys that I think he is what he is. And I keep waiting for him to be, you know, I don't even know what I'm waiting for him with this because he's not really an offensive defenseman at all. Uh, he's a stay-at-home guy. I want him to be nastier. I want him to be heavier. I want him to be, you know, he's a good skater, which people don't realize sometimes. He is a good skater. He should be better and more consistent and sort of a shutdown guy. And sometimes he is, and sometimes he just isn't. And this week, he just wasn't great. Uh, number two, Tuka Rask. Face it. You're a neo-maxi zoom dweeby. Now, Tuka, it wasn't really his fault tonight. He did give up five goals in one period. Uh, and he was pretty good in his previous game. Uh, gave up a, you know, a couple of goals, made a couple of – he's made maybe, I want to say, four or five breakaway saves already this mm-hmm. season. Uh, but I think that, you know, tonight, I just, you know, not a lot of guys have been really bad this week. And I think Tuka – you know, you, you want to see him, you know, just be a little bit more of a of a, of a stopper type. And I know he's, he's coming off not playing for a long time, but just decided to give it to Tuka there at number two and then number one. And I don't know, I'm not even sure why he was in the lineup or has to be rushed in the lineup, but Connor Clifton. Face it, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. That's enough Cliffy hockey for me this week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so my three vendors this week. Uh, for number three, I'm going to choose myself. Face, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. <laughs> and this is because I thought the Bruins actually had a chance in this game tonight. I thought they were going to come ready to play and be ready to go, and I thought this would be a good competitive game coming off the way that they had been playing lately. And, man, was I wrong because uh, they didn't show up. So, uh, yeah, that one's on me. Number two, I have Don Sweeney. Face you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. Don, make a trade. Make a trade. Please. You've had a guy say that he wanted to be traded for I don't know how long now, going on a month maybe, three weeks, something like that. Wasn't uh, it Thanksgiving-ish? Something like that. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I don't know what we're yeah. waiting for. I don't know what he's trying to do. The needs are clear. I mean, this is kind of like the Cassidy thing with the lines. Like, why are you being stubborn about it? Everyone knows what the team needs. 
like everybody does. The fans all know. The team knows. The players know. The fans know. I said that already. But all these Jim, people. Jim Neely knows. Everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. The rest of the league knows. Everybody yeah. knows. They need a left shot, top 4D, and a second line center. So make a hockey trade. Go out and get something to help your team while the window is still slightly open with Bergeron, Rask, Marchand, while they're still relatively, you know, in their primes, but knock it on the back end. And then number one, the entire Bruins team. Face it, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. For the effort tonight in Carolina, I mean... I don't really know what else to say about it. it. It really was a dumpster fire from beginning to end, and it seemed like they gave up in the second period, and it was just listless. Like, there was no fight. The only one at all that seemed to be skating worth a damn in the third period was Craig Smith, and he does it all the time. He, he didn't make anything happen or anything like that, but he was at least pressuring and looked like he gave a shit, kind of. Right. Uh, but it didn't seem to me that anyone after they got down five, didn't seem to care at all. Like they were just like, all right, we lost this one, you know, and then they went through the motions for the last 40 minutes of the game. So, you know, like we said, entitled to a bad game. I don't want to overreact because they've been playing well, but a lot of bad habits in this game. So if those creep into the next game, then you can start to say, well, maybe that wasn't so hot that, you know, they had that terrible game and then now it's kind of snowballing on them a little bit. So if they don't snap out of it, you know, in the next game, they could be heading in the wrong direction here a little bit. I mean, is Sweeney really waiting to the trade deadline? That's like end of March. Like this. That's what I mean. March 21st or something. It is. Another two months of this? Like, I don't know. I mean, I know they've been playing well, so it sounds kind of funny, but you really want to, you really want to make, it was Evan Marinovsky today who tweeted out that the last time they were killed like this, they acquired Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. And, like they, they made that trade like after they were killed in a game like this last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's certainly time to do something like let, like let Jake go, you know, first and foremost, like it's time to do something. Um, and I, and you know, you have Zach Sanishin who's, you know, playing in the minors and playing well, but you don't, you're not offering him anything. Like you're not offering him anything here, so send him somewhere. Like do 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 something. Get get like you said, hockey trade. Like just shuffle some pieces around and see if you can, you know, get get some sort of spark or some sort of chemistry going and and go from there. But you can't win every trade, Donnie. Like you can't. Like last year, he won the trades. Like we were like like head over he, like heels. Like he just won them so blatantly. You're not going to do that all the time. No, dude. sometimes like, you just have to have cut to your losses. Yeah. Take yeah. a risk, cut your losses, whatever the case may be. Sometimes you just have to make a trade to shake things up. You know, yeah. Jake I mean, hasn't been doing sad. anything. He hasn't been doing no, anything nothing. for Again, for a while. Nothing. So, like I mean, it's time. It's time to move on it's from the time. guy. Edmonton's yeah. struggling, you know, trade him to his hometown team. It's find a hometown. piece there that you, that you want and make yeah. the fucking move. Do it. Yeah. Make it. Mike Riley looked great in Edmonton's uniform, like fantastic. <laughs> you know, St. Clifton too. Yeah. Uh, all right, top seven Bruins Benders podcast power rankings time. Number seven, and it would have been the Boston Bruins if they had won tonight because I had them in here mm-hmm. and I had to pull them because they didn't quite 
Maybe you jinxed them by putting them in. I think I think I jinxed them because we jinxed them. I think we jinxed them by naming the episode too before it happened. Yeah, we named it "Picture Me Rolling." Yeah, now we now it's "Picture Me Crashing Back to Earth." (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Number seven, St. Louis Blues, new entry, seven and three in their last ten, so they sneak in. New York Rangers at number six, they are a new entry again. They have re-entered the top seven power rankings. They are first in the Metropolitan. Number five, the Colorado Avalanche, who the Bruins will face later on this week. They creep up two spots. They're 8-1-1 one, one in the last 10. They have a plus 40 goal differential. Number four, Toronto Maple Leafs, they creep up one spot. 7-2-1 in the last 10. Pretty consistent lately, the Maple Leafs have been. Number three, your Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, they stay at three. Their goal differential before tonight was plus 39. It is now plus 45. <laughs> uh, number two, also staying at number two, Tampa Bay Lightning. They are tied for first in the Atlantic, 6-3-1 and one in the last 10. And then the Florida Panthers also tied for first in the Atlantic. Plus 47 goal differential. They dropped a nine spot on someone recently as well. So uh, they are kind of a wagon. Yeah, they've been scoring a, They've been scoring scoring a shit ton of goals. Oh, have the goals. have the Panthers yeah. lately. Uh, so here's your bottom three Bruins Benders podcast power rankings, and uh, coming in at number thirty, the Seattle Kraken, your expansion team, uh, picked up a win the other night with uh, old buddy Ryan Donato wearing mm-hmm. one of uh, Colby Caves um, dress That's ties, right. scored yeah. a goal in regulation, and then won it in the shootout with a real nice move. Uh, so good Carson for Seattle. There. Carson Coleman's there. Carson Coleman's there now too, and he's keeping yep. eighty-three. So good for he him. Is. So uh, it's going to be the Seattle Bruins cracking soon. Um, number thirty-one, your Arizona Coyotes. They have a minus fifty-eight goal differential, twenty-two points in the season, and uh, it would be nice if the Bruins could cherry pick a couple of guys off of that roster and and mm-hmm. take them for themselves. Give you know Arizona. Maybe a couple bucks, because I uh, have a little trouble with the bills there. And then uh, number 32, your Montreal Canadiens. And how about, how about this for a stat I saw tweeted out? Josh Sanderson was injured on December 2nd, okay? As the Canadiens' team leader in goals was seven. He comes back 46 days later, and he remains tied for the team leading goals with seven. <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. My God, that's that's just fantastic. He 46 days he comes back and he's still tied for the team leading goals. Yes. With seven. With seven goals. Seven. Seven. Yeah. So uh also some Canadian Canadians news. They hired Patrice Bergeron's agent as a new general manager. Yeah, Ken Hughes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so he's going to. a shitstorm of Patrice Bergeron might go to Montreal. Yeah. Patrice Bergeron might go to Montreal. Here's the thing he's from Quebec. He yeah. was a Nordiques fan. Right. He was not a Canadians fan. He was not. And he's not going to Montreal. No, he isn't. There's no way. And if he goes to Montreal, I will do the podcast naked and put it on YouTube. <laughs> Okay, which no one wants to see. So he's not going to Montreal. And he doesn't want to see it either. So he will not go to Montreal. He will not go to Montreal. Not going. So stop it. All right. Week ahead for the Bruins, January 20th versus the Capitals at home. January 22nd versus Winnipeg. January 24th versus Anaheim. And then they go to Colorado on January the 26th. So this is an interesting week. Anaheim's been better. Winnipeg's playing well, too. 
Yeah, Winnipeg's playing well too. They've uh, they've been sneaky better too, and of course the Capitals are always a tough go of it. And they beat and the Bruins beat them seven to three, so they'll be looking to beat you know pay back the Bruins some. And then Colorado has been playing dynamite. Mm-hmm. They're eight one and one in the last ten, and they have uh, terrific goal scoring and high powered offense. So that's a tough stretch right there. And hopefully the Bruins can get back at it against the Capitals and get a win and and wipe the taste out of the mouths from tonight's debacle, for sure. Uh, all right, Bender's poll. We talked about this earlier. Who gets his number retired next for the Bruins? So we put this on Twitter, and I also put it on a Facebook group called Boston Bruins Facebook group with over 18,000 followers. On Twitter, 77 votes. Tuka Rask at 9%. David Krejci, 9%. Patrice Bergeron, 64%. And then other 18%. A lot of the write-ins was Daniel Chara. And on a Facebook group, 383 votes. They had a great response from the Facebook group. So anybody out there listening, uh, thanks so much for doing that. Took Rask at seven votes. David Krejci, 10 votes. Patrice Bergeron, 320 votes. And then other was 46 votes and many write-ins, over 60 comments uh, about Zidane Chara being uh, that guy. And I think we all, I think we both agree that it'll be Chara because he'll retire first. And also, he's more than more than deserving. Back in 2006, when he was acquired, they had that terrible year the first year he was there. And they just got better and better and better before winning the Cup in 11. And I still think they should have won the Cup in 10. David Krejci didn't get hurt. And, of course, 13, they had a chance to win the Cup, you know, again. And, then of course, in, was it 19 against uh, St. Louis as well. So, they had some real shots at it. And they won it in 11. And, he was a great leader, and he should be retired number 33 to the rafters for sure. And you want to rate and review for charity. We are giving $1 to the Bruins Foundation for every rate and review on Apple. We have received a few lately. Uh, and, or any rating on Spotify. So go ahead and do that. Rate and review us on Apple. You can give a five-star rating on Spotify as well. We are also on other – we are also on Google Podcasts, and uh, we're on – Pocket Cast and many other different platforms. We're also on YouTube. We have a couple of interviews we've had with Mike Milbury and Ari Ocal on there as well. So you want to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just uh, just search Bruins Benders Podcast on YouTube. And go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. We have t-shirts and hoodies. And I'm wearing a hoodie. And so are you. We're wearing our hoodies. Are you got a t-shirt? I'm wearing a hoodie right now. Yeah. And they're really nice. They really are. nice nice... Uh, and thanks to Inside the Rink, who uh, is a nice little Inside the Rink logo on the back, too. And mm-hmm. and they've done a good job of putting together some merchandise for us. So we, we like that. And go to InsideTheRink.com for all your your hockey news and insight and other podcasts as well from around the league. There's some really good podcasts on there, too. So go ahead and do that as well. And it's another week of Bruins hockey in the books. Uh, they now have won 8 out of 10. <laughs> And uh, they get after it with four games before our next episode. So join us then next week, every Wednesday, a new episode will drop. We appreciate everybody listening. Have a great week. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.